I think I was having some technical difficulties there with the intro, but we are here and that's what matters. And 34 people already live with us. I didn't even say we're live yet. I need to actually put a quick tweet out. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys to talk. Alex Morgan, Robert Jonas, fresh from PayPal Park. It's exciting to have both of you guys here. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining today. Um, look, I, you know, there's just so much to talk about. Can you, can you just start off and give me that first, like 45 seconds, a minute of like first day impressions, you know, how are things out of PayPal? What is the mood like? Uh, Alex, you want to kick us off? Yeah. I mean, first of all, Jamin, it's uh, awesome to be back here with you and Robert, with everyone, uh, tuning in from home. Uh, this, uh, off season felt really short, you know, in past years during the pandemic, we've had these long, extensive three to four month breaks. Preseason training has been pretty closed over the last few years. So we really haven't seen much of the team till, till, you know, March, April. Uh, but this feels like we were, you know, watching the, the Quakes play just a few short weeks ago, nonstop soccer uh, with the World Cup. Lots going on. Uh, in the world of, of U.S. soccer uh, to keep us all occupied uh, and busy. Uh, and it's it's amazing to jump uh, right back into it. It's been a, a pretty uh, busy week in San Jose. They had the, the MLS uh, League Media and Marketing Tour uh, in San Jose at the San Jose Convention Center on uh, Tuesday. So all the league's best players got sent uh, to that event. And uh, we had some roundtables with them in the media uh, they announced the the Apple TV deal uh, and announced some details about the uh, uh, MLS season pass and the, the new streaming service for next year. Uh, and then today we uh, we went down to uh, PayPal Park and got to speak to Luchi Gonzalez, Jeremy Abobasi, Nico Shakiris, Kristen Espinosa, uh, and got a, a peek inside of the the preseason training camp, which is something we haven't had a lot of over the last few years. So we were able to get a sense of. Uh, you know, what kind of coach Luchi Gonzalez is going to be, how he wants the team to play. We have some updates, I think, on the, the kit uh, to share. We were able to ask some, some questions about what fans should expect uh, and uh, look forward to breaking it all down on the, on the show tonight. Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, really exciting to just kind of see, like, the, some of the videos coming in, you know, from media that were there uh, and uh, just a different, different kind of vibe to get a coach like Lucci, who's just really kind of, you know, I think forthcoming uh, and excited to talk about what's going on in the team with the media and, and seems doesn't seem to shy away from uh, the questions. Uh, Robert, you know, first impressions, you know, coming in. And I know you got the chance to talk with Lucci on the side before when, uh, when he was hired and uh, now getting to see him on the pitch and kind of see everything out there today. You know what felt what felt different to you today? What did what what kind of vibe did you did you notice? Yeah, it was it's it was very different than you know I've seen in years past. When when a new coach comes in, there's often you know it's going to be my way, and there's brand new you know drills, and there there's conventions, and 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 just just a ma the mannerisms of when a new coach comes aboard uh, were were there in parts. You know, Lucci is definitely a, a a coach who, you know, is going to be a hands-on coach. He was all over the field in the different drills and talking to different players. Uh, 
you know, from from you know potential starters to to guys that are going to be fighting for playing time. Um, but one thing I think he did really well, and this is something that has always struck me in the conversations I've had with him, is the deep respect he has for the organization. You know, the San Jose Earthquakes were the team that drafted him out of college and gave him his first opportunity. You know, unfortunately, he came in in 2002 in between the championship years, and playing time was always going to be hard to get. But he values the experience he gained then. And he understands some of the club's history and how important it is to connect to that. We saw Chris Wondolowski out there, you know, even though he's not an official assistant coach, he was barking out drills, you know, the return of Ian Russell, Stevie Ralston, and, and many others that are familiar for, for those of us who've covered the team for many years, you know, helping and, and, and really uh, kind of creating a lot of activity, um, you know, across the field. You know, there weren't guys standing around and watching at, at almost any time today in the hour that we were there and that's something that is uh you know you wouldn't necessarily expect four days into preseason but uh lucci's already you know, kind of dived in and um i think one thing i wanted to kind of share with that is that he talks a lot about um earning the respect of, of everyone in the organization and his number one uh, manner to do so is to show respect and so seeing that from from the very beginning whether it be with the players the coaches and and the way the media was uh, involved today is I think a really good sign that you know the organization understands you know that uh, you know there are going to be challenges um, definitely going to be challenges which we'll talk about in this show but uh, I haven't seen a preseason really start off in such a positive way in quite a long time yeah I, I think one thing that that felt different to me is that it, it no longer feels like a fiefdom there's not uh, right. you know kind of uh, the the uh, the monarchy that Matias Almeida, the really firm grip that Matias Almeida had everyone, you know, he kind of ran his team in a, in a more old fashioned way with, with, you know, a, a lot of, you know, ties based on loyalty and, and, and such, you know, the thing about Luchi Gonzalez is that he likes to share and, and he, he was sharing his vision uh, with, with, you know, everyone. And I think that's, you know, true of any coach at this stage, they're, they're all trying to sell the dream that they're trying to build, but, but something that was promising about Lucci was that he really seems to like to get into the details. He likes follow-up questions. He likes talking shop. And I think he understands that, you know, transparency is a key part of, of accountability in, in creating a healthy culture in the club. So I think, I think he has more respect for, for the organization in that way. The questions are already coming in from the fans and we definitely want to get to those, but I want to uh, pitch a couple more things to you. I mean, just some of the, the, the noise that we heard today was that Wando was very engaged, despite the fact he's no longer an assistant coach. Uh, and he's probably, I'm sure, you know, focused on certain players because I believe that is part of the role he's now been asked to do is to really kind of help develop some of these younger players and provide them guidance and provide them tactical feedback and such uh, to, so that the coaching staff can more focus on the team. One of the things that I learned in talking to, to Wando a bit uh, last year is, is how much um, it takes, uh, you know, for someone to even pull a player aside and give them that special kind of attention when, because day to day you're so focused on the team. And so it's really interesting, this role he's playing, but he's very out there involved. And then I heard, like, there's some fitness from the coaching side afterwards, and Wando blew everyone away. So, hey, just tell us your Wando stories from the day. Well, well when I walked into the, on, onto the training pitch, there was a really loud voice 
barking instructions at all of the players. And I thought that must be Luchi Gonzalez. He must be taking charge of this team. And, and, and that must be, that must be him. I walk on, I, I, I go through the door and there's Chris Wondolowski leading uh, the possession drill that, that they were doing. And we weren't expecting him to have such a hands-on role in training uh, from the announcements that they made. Our impression was that he was you know, taking a step back, working in player development more, more in the front office, maybe with the academy, but he was right there. And obviously the Quakes have a, a, a really strong uh, team of assistant coaches. You have guys like Ralston, Ian Russell, who are all really capable, have been around MLS for a long time. But to me, it almost felt like Chris Wondolowski was the number two guy. He was, you know, right uh, working alongside Lucha Gonzalez, you know, uh, barking out instructions, helping run the drills. He was, he was in there. He was a significant part uh, of, of their preparations. And, and I like this because, uh, you know, it feels almost like a, a coaching incubator for, for Chris Wondolowski. If, if he, you know, uh, has aspirations of, of becoming, uh, you know, a head coach somewhere down the line, this feels like a great spot for him to be. Yeah, it felt a lot like, uh, you know, he wasn't expected to be there. But I'm sure someone mentioned uh, when training started and he was probably the first person there. And so, yeah, I think that's going to be something we see on a regular basis that, you know, and in some ways he probably can't keep himself away from, you know, the, you know, getting involved with the guys and contributing to in, in as in many ways as possible. And again, I, I, I want to, you know, kind of emphasize that, you know, Lucci's coming in and, and has recognized, you know, from the, from the beginning, you know, when he was brought aboard officially in August and even before that, he saw who some of the, uh, the, you know, the true influences were in the organization. And he wants those people to be involved as much as possible. So having Wando, uh, you know, there and, and very prominently there is, is, uh, an encouraging sign and uh you know maybe he's not going to be on the bench during games maybe he is i'm sure he'll uh, he'll fight for a seat if he has the opportunity um but there's so many ways that uh the organization can benefit from from folks like wando contributing and and you know get especially getting ian russell back in the mix and and, and seeing what he can do i think are are, are going to be some some critical parts of what lucci will be leaning on to to build that that culture. You know, one thing that uh, kind of struck me, uh, uh, Lucci talked about this, Alex, I think when you asked him sort of a kind of an off cuff question about fitness, you know, he really mentioned that, you know, he wants the coaches to be the role models. You know, he doesn't expect players to just do what they're told if the coaches themselves are not living up to expectations. And so if he, the staff, you know, can model that, that kind of behavior, he does expect the players are going to be able to mirror that. And that to him is what's going to build that cohesiveness, that, that really good team identity, you know, especially in the off field and training situations that he hopes will, will translate to ever so slight edges on the field. And that, you know, this is a team that's going to need every slight edge they can get. And if that's one of the ways Lucci's hoping to instill it, then, uh, you know, he's off to a good start. Yeah. He, he talked a lot about uh, the mirror effect and, and wanting to, uh, to lead by example. And you're right. A part of that involved some, some fitness for him and the, the coaching staff after <laughs> yep. he made all the players uh, do some laps and, and do some liners on the field, uh, him and, you know, uh, Wando and, and Ralston and the rest of the, the coaching staff got on the line themselves. Wando wasn't the, hunt for the, the front of the pack. I have to say that Lucci uh, was in the back. So he might have to, to do some <laughs> 
fitness work of his own before he's ready uh, for the, the regular season. But, you know, as long as they're not uh, going to start making the media run, we're, we're fine. We're fine. We're safe. I mean, I expected after seeing like videos of like Greg Berhalter hitting bangers in, in, in the uh, World <laughs> Cup practices, I'm expecting Lucci to be in World Cup level shape here. Uh, and uh, to have gotten involved in some of those uh, scrimmages uh, uh, during the World Cup training sessions. Well, well, that's 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 Wanda. Wanda was in the sort of in the middle. He conveniently p- positioned himself there in the middle of the box during all the finishing drills. So whenever there was a misplaced cross, he would just be right there to tap it. You could hear him anytime there was a ball. He, I think he almost preferred the crosses that were misplayed because he went, oh, here's a good one. And then he, you know. Uh, that, that, the back of the net. that poacher mentality he's never going to lose that so oh man <laughs> don't don't even start with us wanting him to be back on the field okay no, no, no. Training's got, fine. <laughs> let's take let's take let's take this somewhere else very quickly so a couple other changes this preseason that i i want to dive into a little bit one of which came from mls media day and a comment by Cade cowell about you know not touching a ball for the first week of preseason since he had become a professional player and that it felt weird to be uh, touching a ball for the for the first time, uh, and that's so that's a change from from Almeida, uh, and then uh, also playing actual MLS teams in preseason this year, and and, and Lucci spoke about that too. And I'll, you know, let's be honest, this is you know uh, my opportunity to give a little bit here. I've been critical of the team in the past, avoiding the MLS teams in preseason and only playing you know, USL level one or USL championship level teams. And then you hit the first day of the season and they never quite looked ready for it under Almeida to me. And I know that I'm critical of Almeida and I know, you know, maybe some of that is going to be, you know, my, my predilection toward being critical, but you know, this, this does seem to be, you know, going to be different. And I think I'm hoping prepares the team better to get off onto the right foot in the season. Last year, the team went the first seven games of the season without a win. Um, They can ill afford to do that again this season. So, you know, between those two comments, like, uh, you know, what did you kind of kind of get out of, uh, uh, you know, kind of the differences, you know, on the field and and then also from Lucci in terms of of, uh, uh, his comment about the MLS teams this season? Jamin, Jamin, you got to be careful about criticizing Almeida. He has AEK Athens second in the league in Greece right now. He signed a new <laughs> oh contract through 2028. It's the Matias Almeida revenge tour in Greece right in now. In a 14-team league where he there's only four teams with actual talent in the league, spare me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, we, we, I, we could coach AEK Athens to a second-place finish in that <laughs> league, I'm pretty sure. All right. If, if they need us, we'll, we'll head over there. I could use a Greek vacation. Fun. <laughs> um, I, I do what I would do want to talk a lot because Lucci sounded quite excited about the fact that they're going to play six games against MLS competition. And um, he made it very clear that, you know, he's he's encouraged by the foundation that he's inherited, the roster that he has today, and that there are many decisions still be, to be made. There's going to be some changes along the way with potential national team camp. Uh, call-ups in this in this next month uh, that he that he was alluding to that there's still hope to to get in some new players but he wouldn't say anything specific about that but he he said you know he, he I wrote down this comment because it kind of struck me about the uh, the preseason he said you know his his strongest wish he wants to be able to say before every one of these games that if he has a game tomorrow 
he expects his team can win that game. And and so, you know, the preseason is now that opportunity, not against some set of college kids or, a, you know, a, a lower division team that you're warming up against, but other teams that are trying to get into shape as well. And, you know, there, there's not, you know, he's not going to hide anything. He, he's going to do what he can to to have his team prepared to win preseason games and and, and get that mentality uh, going. And, and that's something that, you know, I think you're right. We've we've missed in in some pre, in some seasons past, where the team kind of we were only discovering the team literally days before the the season started. They had, they had been doing everything kind of uh, you know in, in a hidden manner, and and Lucia doesn't see it that way. I don't think he's you know kind of hide and and it kind of goes to his open personality as well. And and I think that bodes well for for a team that's going to need uh, you know every bit of confidence they can get if they can uh, have a good preseason get some great results and and show uh, show some folks around the league what they're capable of i think that uh, again building off that respect is going to be something that will uh, kind of uh, really kind of gain mileage look san jose opened their season in atlanta playing atlanta united they're going to be playing against a world cup winner tiago amada yeah. just got off the plane from qatar he was playing with Lionel messi and he lifted the World Cup trophy. He's That's getting right. off the plane, and his first match is against the San Jose Earthquakes. The San Jose Earthquakes are going to get blown out of the water by Atlanta if they're not uh, ready, if they're not playing MLS teams in preseason. Uh, so it's important that they have a, a slate of games. Yep. They play New York City first in Santa Barbara. Uh, they play D.C. United in Minnesota, uh, the Red Bulls uh, in Coachella and the Coachella Valley Invitational. Those are important games. And, and it feels like because they have a higher you know, level of opposition uh, in preseason coming up, it feels like they're already uh, have to be more prepared and they're already at a more advanced point than they were at this time last year. You know, at this time last year, it felt like they were still catching up on fitness. It felt like players weren't returning from the break uh, in as good shape. And, you know, a part of it is having a new coach. Everyone's going to come ready to show what they're worth uh, because it's a clean slate. Uh, and they have to, you know, prove themselves to the new coach. Um, but at this stage, you know, something that Jeremy Abobasi talked about when, when we uh, uh, talked to him today was that, you know, everyone's coming in in shape. Everyone is at a high level of fitness, so they can immediately move uh, to the tactics into the ball work, uh, and 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 that's what they're doing. I mean, they already had a, a video session yesterday. That was one of the details that was uh, revealed by. Uh, by Luchi Gonzalez that they're already working on video and on tactics on like day two or three in, in preseason. He's big on video. He, he actually, one tidbit is he, he, he likes to use drones in training, uh, which is a problem in San Jose because of the airport right next to the stadium. They're not allowed to fly drones above the, uh, above the pitch. So they're going to have to come up with some solution uh, to that, but uh, that's a good sign to me that they're already working on those tactical uh, principles and, we started to get uh, an idea of, of the way that he wanted uh, he, he wants this team to play. And, and obviously that's the big question is uh, how is this team going to play? What is their shape going to be? What is their, their tactics going to be? And I think the main takeaway that I got is that it's all about structure, uh, you know, especially on the defensive side. If this team is going to improve, they need to improve the defense because it was one of the worst in the league last year. Uh, and the thing that he's emphasizing is defensive structure. The worst. Even the worst. when, even when you're, uh, you're, you're attacking, he wants the team to be able to attack in a way that when they lose the ball, they're already in a solid structure uh, so that they can immediately press and recover the ball. You want to be structured so that when you 
lose the ball, you're already in a good place for a, for a defensive transition. So, so that structure is really important. Uh, when you're talking about the attack, uh, the, the things that he said were that uh, you, you want to have verticality, you want to break lines, you need to get the ball in behind, have timed movement so that you can draw players out uh, and hurt them going in behind. So I'm expecting a, a, a direct and aggressive uh, style of play going forward. There was a lot of focus on pressing in these first few days. That's something that Jeremy Abobasi talked about as well, about, you know, they're working on understanding their pressing cues, uh, you know, working from a, a mid block and knowing when to be aggressive. They want to be aggressive, but not mindlessly aggressive. They want to know when to release that high press and create those dangerous transitions. And that's one, one of the things that we could see them working on in training. One of the, the, the drills that they were doing uh, was all about maintaining a high press in the final third and then sending ball after ball into the box. That's what they were working on for about a half an hour was just keeping the ball in that final third in the tight space and then yeah. getting those first, second and third balls to follow up balls into the box so that they can really be on the front foot. So that was really exciting to watch given that it's only day three at this stage in Matias Almeida preseason training camp, they were still doing liners. They were still running laps around the field. Uh, they hadn't even shipped the balls down to Cancun yet. I'm so entertained by the comments. Uh, most people, <laughs> unless you're in the Slack, uh, don't realize this, but the $5 per month, is totally worth it for the times where Gina actually makes comments in the Slack because everyone is a zinger. It is amazing. She <laughs> says so little, but when she says it, it's so good. So yes, I'm smirking at the comments uh, in this in the uh, in the, st the stupid comments, as Ben says, uh, going on right now in the chat. But you guys are great. I missed you all so much. Other than you know, I get to chat with most of you every day in the in the Slack channel. So it's a great time to talk about uh, talk about uh, you know our offering uh, because normally we talk about it at the end of the show, and sometimes I get chided about that. So uh, you know, if you're starting off the season, I know some of some people decide you know during the off season to okay, I don't need to like continue subscribing to this completely get it, uh, continue subscribing to our Patreon. But uh, for $2 a month, you get in, get early access to articles. I do have one up on the site right now, which uh, you will not get access to unless you're a patron until article number two in my preseason comes out, then you'll finally get access to article number one. So if you'd like to get access to that first article now, $2 will get you in. But if you really want to see Gina's comments in the Slack and all those zingers, you got to... Uh, to put in for an additional $3 a month, and then we will let you into the uh, the Slack channel as well. So that's what I got to say about the Patreon tonight. The, the Slack was the only way that I was able to keep up with the Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter scandal during the offseason. <laughs> it's not just yeah. Quakes related. Everything uh, under Hashtag the, the US, US soccer universe that's uh, right. is in there. Uh, so, it, yeah, that's the only way that I'm able to keep up with anything that goes. Not on only that, it's the only way to find out if there is a shootout going on anywhere in the world, because Michael Peachy will put an alert into the non-Quakes game chat channel and alert you if there is a shootout and what streaming uh, service you can go catch said shootout on. So, again, if you're not in the Slack, you don't know what we're talking about and it's you're missing out. So. That's my uh, that's my plug for the Patreon. Maybe we'll throw it up at the end uh, so you know exactly where to go to subscribe to said Patreon. All right, let's get back into the chat. There's uh, some people want to know, uh, Alex, and you tease something here about the kit, the new kit. So there were some tweets 
and those tweets got changed into other tweets and you know i don't know is this black is this blue is there are there triangles like you know what exactly is going on with this kit what did you guys learn did you see it did you see the kit we, or did we you saw just get more info snippets of the kit so yeah, so okay. at the the mls uh league-wide uh media and marketing tour on tuesday all of the players uh, were walking around in their new kits and so the the teams that had yet to release those kits wore uh, buttoned up jackets but you could see the collars you could see some some little uh uh, tufts peeking out of the bottom of the jackets and some of those have ended up on twitter on social media uh and uh, they're a collection of those photos are in the patron slacks so that's one reason to subscribe uh, is that they have uh, some uh, some of the photos of of the, the collars and, and sneak peeks of the kit uh the thing that we were able to get from training today i asked jeremy abobasi uh, about the kit and what he thought i'll i'll read the quote he said and I quote, I think they'll look good on TV. When I was watching them in photo shoots, I thought they reflected really good on camera. So maybe we're talking about some high visibility kits here. We're talking about uh, <laughs> some, some, some bright colors and some, some good, uh, uh, good kits on camera. That's, that's the best update we can give you, Jamie. Maybe, maybe some LEDs woven in there would be a, you know, really go high, high tech this season. Why don't you, why don't you just run past Caden and like grab the jacket and pull it off? <laughs> we were tempted. Yeah, we were tempted. I and just grab this shot and like keep running, right? What are they going to do? Take away your press yeah. pass for the Apple? Air? Apple would have had maybe, their maybe robots on us in, in no time. <laughs> That's would've true. Been, you been were, tough to uh, you were around that. some Apple people, but I saw it. <laughs> I saw photos from Danielle Slayton the day after and coach beard was there. Did you guys see coach beard? He didn't come out to uh, the, the media day. They, they all kept them back in the, the big old round disc that they call their headquarters for their, for the um, second okay. day's activities. But uh, no, it was really, you know, speaking of the Apple deal, you know, we did have, you know, quite a good representation from, you know, the new commentating, commentating team, Danielle included, you know, she was there with her, with her little baby Marcus and, and uh, there was, they were, they were, you know, excited on camera. They were excited off camera about this opportunity. I talked to Taylor Twelman for quite a while um, after the uh, the initial announcement. He's been on Twitter talking about finally being able to be essentially unleashed, and I think a lot of people were kind of wondering what that meant. And what it truly meant is, you know, he spent years and years and years, you know, essentially almost fighting to get MLS uh, attention. You know, like you know, you know, asking ESPN and, and and just you know, kind of imploring them to do more and more. And you know, with Apple, it's the other way around. They keep asking him, you know, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And and from simple things like more cameras and better angles and and all you know, bumper programming and shoulder shoulder programs around games are, are I think things fans are really going to appreciate. And um, you know, that's something I know I'm looking forward to as well. That's always been a big complaint about MLS broadcasts is they just seem to sort of come and go and and uh, you know that's it you know there's not a lot of special attention placed on them so I'm, I'm looking forward to that and and uh, while we didn't get a coach beard uh, you know a presentation at in our uh, in our day there um, yeah you know Apple's gonna be leaning a little on that Ted Lasso crew for sure oh absolutely <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Twelman did say that he thinks in 10 years this could be as big as the iPhone so yeah. in 10 years, we might all be, you know, emailing our family, uh, you know, watching uh, our favorite shows, texting our friends on the MLS season pass. I, th I think there's a big future ahead. The other thing I want to mention um, 
from the, the league-wide media day was that uh, there were a couple U.S. men's national team players there. Walker Zimmerman was there. DeAndre Yadlin was there. They both had a lot of praise to give Lucha Gonzalez. Okay. Uh, the thing that, that Zimmerman said uh, was that he's an honest guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He's going to be passionate. He'll do anything he can for his players. It's easy when you have a coach like that. Zimmerman was a guy who worked with him at Dallas, in the academy at Dallas, and then uh, with the men's national team as well. Uh, so he, he has a good reputation among, among the squad for the national team. That was something that we learned. Yep. Great. No, that, that's good stuff. Okay, let's just start to get a little bit, you know, into the, uh, the players, you know, so far. And there were some additional faces out there today. Uh, also, um, you know, I think we all feel fairly confident that there is a striker uh, from uh, San Antonio that uh, scored a brace in the USL championship mm -hmm. final. That is a trialist. Normally I love that we, you know, uh, and I was kind of looking forward to this. I'm like, Hey, maybe we'll have a trialist and in preseason when we get the updates, it'll be trialist one or trialist two and trialist will make a return. Uh, and uh, I think the cameras picked up somebody that they were not supposed to. Um uh, and uh, we know who said uh, trialist number one is. But there are also some additional Quakes 2 players uh, out there and such that are that are with the first team. They're not kicking off Quakes 2 yet, but, you know, there are a couple spots for players uh, like this. So so maybe some guys trying to, to make a roster at this point. Uh, like, you know, what did you see out there today in terms of players that maybe you weren't expecting? Um, I mean, the, you know, you speak about the trialist. I mean, Santiago Patino was, uh, you know, was right there front and center and all the on all the drills, you know, and and you know, I don't have a, a, a strong first impression. I mean, you know, it's, you know, you know, finishing drills can be very deceptive uh, one way or the other. Right. But, uh, you know, he's been giving every opportunity uh, in his, his time there. Um, you mentioned some of the young guys, you know, we, you know, there were quite a few faces there, you know, including the new uh, homegrown signings uh, out of Stanford that, you know, we're, we're getting their opportunities. You know, one thing I think uh, Lucci mentioned Alex and I specifically was that, you know, you know, there there is no fixed lineup at this point you know there there's opportunities for any everyone and that's on that field to to make a make a name for themselves to to take charge and 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 such and i think that is also a, you know a, a good sign um i will say this about the the player pool it's it's all the familiar faces i think osani osani buddha was the only person not there based on uh, still recovering from his injury um but we saw everyone else and um i think uh, alex you you remarked on this too while we were chatting and watching uh, you know it doesn't look like a first week training camp either i mean a lot of these guys look like they could probably step right out onto the field on opening day their their fitness level and is look looks really strong and i and i think uh you know that that's also something that you know the, you know we we can feel encouraged by that you know they're not going to be working themselves into shape but rather they're going to be you know kind of working toward that those tactical uh responsibilities uh, and and from day one 
with the film sessions like Alex mentioned and 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 the like and that uh, you know is something that again I think is is a good thing I want to see more players out there I want to see some more trialists I want to see some 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 newer signings you know it's it's a league that it grows and rosters get better on every team and uh, if you only get moderately better you're probably falling behind and so you know I think Lucci and his team do have uh, some significant work ahead of themselves to make some upgrades and get that depth but uh, the guy that are there they're going to be given their opportunities it'll be interesting to see uh you know which ones step up and take them there were a couple guys um that i was that i was watching uh, miguel trauco uh, was out there uh that's important because he didn't have 100 percent fitness at the the end of last year we didn't get to see a ton of him he's healthy now you know i think the coaching staff were thinking that he's got some catching up to do with fitness because he hasn't played a professional game uh in a few months uh, but he was there, so that's good. That's a, an option at outside back for the Quakes. Uh, Tommy Thompson was there. Uh, Tom Bogard on, on Twitter had uh, said that uh, the Quakes were expected to, to offer him a new deal. He's definitely in their plans. There's nothing official yet, uh, but he's out there. And, and uh, Luchi Gonzalez talked about how he expected him to uh, be uh, in, in his plans and, and you know wear a utility hat, being able to play in the, the midfield and, and, and outside back and and offer depth in a, a bunch of different positions. I don't think anybody expects him to uh, take a starting role in this team, uh, but as a utility player, it looks like that's the, the role he's going to return in. Uh, Rodriguez and Nathan uh, were there, uh, the, the new center back pairing. I think that uh, Luchi Gonzalez uh, talked about being impressed with them. The, the one worry I had was in the fitness drills, they were the two slowest players on the team. It's not good to have your two center backs be the two slowest players on the team. So maybe some pace at center back is, is something to, uh, to be worried about this season. The guy who was the fastest on the other hand, Jamiro Montero, we know he's got an engine. We know he's running every single game and look, this wasn't a beep test. You know, they weren't, uh, you know, giving it their hundred percent. It was at the end of a long day of training. Uh, but I thought that uh, those two, two little uh, details were interesting. Uh, one other thing that interested me uh, was some of the, the, the positions they were playing the players in. They were doing crossing and finishing. Cade Cowell and Will Richmond were the only two players on the left wing. They had Benji Kukanovic up top as a number nine, which really surprised me uh, because you know I, I was expecting Benji Kukanovic to be uh, you know, fighting for that left wing starting position against Cade Cowell. Uh, based on their form at the end of the last season, seems like Jeremy Abobasi uh, had the number nine spot wrapped up and that uh, Kakanovic might be playing more out wide, especially given Cowell's inconsistency, especially given the fact that Cade Cowell might be going to the U20 World Cup this year. Him and uh, Nico Shakiras both talked about how uh, they were uh, you know, hoping to make that squad. I think that's later this spring. Uh, might be gone for upwards of a month and a half uh, for that tournament. That's, that's uh, both their goals. And so you have Cowell gone, there's kind of a big open spot on on left wing. If they're not going to use Benji Kukanovic out there, if they're not going to give him any time out there in preseason uh, during these uh, preparation times, uh, they're going to need to find a new option out there. And, and I, I guess that leads us to, to the transfer market because they need a new left winger, it looks like. The other position they need, the big gaping hole, a number six. They have DP spots open. They need to use it on a number six. They got Baldissimo. Uh, from Vancouver Whitecaps. He was there, didn't get a super strong first impression, 
uh, but we're not expecting him to be a starter. We're expecting him to be a, a depth player in the midfield. There's still room for a starting number six that will protect the back line. Uh, that's going to be, I think, the most key uh, signing that uh, the Quakes need to make this offseason. You know, Alex, we also talked about goalkeeper while we were watching. And, uh, you know, obviously JT is the incumbent. Um, rumors have, you know, kind of been out there about a potential outside signing. I'm not sure how many, how much legs that has. You know, but at this point, Emi Ochoa is the backup. You know, he was he was basically you know acting as the number two goalkeeper today, and and that's uh, I mean you know impressive looking kid, but you know he's a kid, you know, and, and you know goalkeeper you know as much as JT gets a lot of love, you know he he's the backstop, and and that team last year let a lot of goals in, and and it's not just your defense that's responsible for that. So, you know, goalkeeper is also another place that if the defense has issues, you know that you know, a, a strong goalkeeper or at least a strong second goalkeeper that might be able to push JT for playing time uh, could be something the Quakes need to look for. Any of the uh, draft picks kind of stand out to you today, you know, among the uh, kind of the young player pool? Uh, Daniel Mooney was there. Uh, he's, I think, uh, still competing for, for a contract uh, was the impression that we got from the, the earthquake spokespeople. Uh Two other guys that were also there were the two Stanford signings that they they recently made. Uh, you know, I don't expect any of them to immediately challenge for a starting position, uh, but they looked uh, like they had a lot of energy and intensity. They were uh, some some of those trialists were really getting into it with some super hard tackles right in front of us. I was uh, a, a little uh, scared sometimes that I was going to get caught up in it, but um, yeah, they they weren't holding back. They're competing for uh, you know for for contracts. Pitchy wants to know how Butts was today. <laughs> just, I'm just putting the questions the fans want to know. That's all. <laughs> Arky seems to want him out there too, so they're very interested. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll have a, a better Butts report on a, uh, on, a on another show. This <laughs> great. It's a good thing we got a long preseason with a lot of MLS games. We'll be able to. Robert, I, actually, was here. Yeah, Robert I need to see more butts to really butts. make a decision. So. Yeah, <laughs> see more butts. Great. Okay. Now that we've taken the show to a whole new low, thank you everyone for that. <laughs> really uh, low. Yeah. You know, we'll, uh, you know, let's uh, let's go. Let's move on to uh, to a different different topic. So, um, you know, one of the things that uh, that you said was that uh, Lucci, I think he understands, you know, the situation he's got ahead of him in terms of, uh, you know, addressing the 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 defense and he's already mentioned that um you know he's intending to play in this mid block and then selectively press in different situations it all sounds good i'm like i'm literally expecting him to come in and do very greg berhalter type things because let's be honest lucci wasn't the most defensive coach at fc dallas uh for those who don't know he, he, he played with a 4-3-3 uh at fc dallas um which is not all that different than what the U.S. men's national team play with. But one of the things that the, the U.S. team is, was very focused on was making sure that, uh, that they were going to uh, win balls and recover them as quickly as possible, that whole you know, five seconds after you lose the ball, try to win it back thing, which they did very, very well overall at the World Cup, you know, considering the level of competition they played against. And uh, but the other thing that they do is they try to to organize behind the ball quickly and really kind of, you know, have the right rest defense in place to be able to anticipate, you know, that type of 
of, of like a breakaway situation or whatnot. One of the things that, uh, that uh, I was able to learn was that JT faced the second most one-on-ones in the league uh, over, the, uh, over the last couple of years. Um, Toronto, a little bit worse. But, you know, the Quakes have, first off, under Almeida, had zero rest defense because it's man-to-man, so you're not, you're not building in any rest defense, just about. And I think struggled to get one kind of implemented a bit, uh, you know, uh, last year, um, you know, a- after Almeida left under Cavello. So what did you guys see in terms of, of defensive structure today? Uh, anything that would be worth sharing to go like, okay, this looks like they're kind of figuring out and it's, it's kind of, you know, hopefully uh, starting to become a little bit more obvious as to what they're tr- going to try to do to address the uh, structurally anyway, the defensive problems from the last couple of years. So, so they did uh, do some work on defensive set pieces. They, they split up and they had the uh, attacking players do finishing. And uh, Lucci was actually with the, the Wanda was kind of running uh, the Joe with the attackers and, and Lucci was down with the defenders working on uh, defending in the box and headers. They didn't do so much uh, positional work uh, and in, in the defensive side uh, of the ball. Most of it was focused on the press. That's what they're focusing on uh, in these first few days. Uh, but look, I'm expecting pretty much a complete 180 from what we saw with Matias Almeida. With Matias Almeida, there was no structure. To heck with structure. They were man marking. And when they lost the ball, it was just like a swarm of bees trying to trying to win it back. Uh, and, and it was chaotic and it was really fun to watch uh, when the quakes were fit and when they were uh, confident and when they, uh, you know, were playing well, it looked really good and they could win some dangerous transitions. Uh, but more often than not, it left them with some big gaping holes uh, at the back. And, and quite quite simply, I think they're one of the worst teams in the league in, in defensive transitions, especially towards you know the, the late summer periods where maybe they start to lose focus, they start to lose fitness. Uh, there were just big, big gaping holes that uh, good teams were able to exploit. It's not going to be like that uh, with Luchi Gonzalez. They're not going to let themselves get put in those situations. They're going to focus on defensive structure. They're going to uh, focus on having balance so that when they lose the ball, uh, they're not going to get caught out like that. So, so that's what I'm expecting is a pretty complete reversal from uh, what we saw from Matias Almeida in terms of how they structure the defense. I have minutes and minutes of big gaping holes that I could show anyone <laughs> who wants to see them. Minutes of gaping holes. Robert. I, you know, I, I, w- one thing Lucci did mention, which uh, I think is worth noting is that he's always been in his coaching career, a head coach or the, the technical director. He's always been at the top and his experience with the U S national team was his first as an assistant coach. Um, when I've talked to him privately, you know, he, he, he spoke about how, influential that that experience was that you know while he didn't have that when he was a dallas head coach you know but now that he kind of sees things from that second chair perspective you know the importance of those types of details that often assistant coaches are tasked with with working through um is something that he expects will allow him when he's san jose's coach to be that next level you know from from what he was able to do with fc dallas 
Um, and I think, you know, defensive responsibilities are a big part of that. Um, I think understanding the, 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 you know, the, the, the game, you know, the, a lot of that game flow, you know, the, the, the holes in zone 14, you know, it's, uh, you know, that's, it's the players still have to, to, to take those, you know, fill those gaps, but, you know, they're not going to be sort of left, you know, chasing others around the field and leaving those wide open. Uh, I, at some point I want to kind of transition to the, you know, the positive zone 14 if, as well, because Lucci did mention a little bit about scoring options opportunities and we're seeing that yeah, as an ahead. extensive part of training you know you know I, alex i think this was part of uh, his answer to your question about tactics and and the like you know he mentioned you know some of these priorities and and, and what he wants uh, i love hearing the word verticality 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 <laughs> i can even say the damn word but you know you know that came up but he, he greg, mentioned the greg burhalter language is already coming up huh? it's there yeah, yeah exactly we're getting a little <laughs> bit of that bleed through um you know, he he said. I think I wrote it down. You know that uh, you know goal scoring opportunities are going to be the number one priority, um, and you know you know you you have to be organized to get to those goal scoring opportunities. And I think that's you know what he was trying to get to. It's like you know it's not going to just be by luck or by chance, but you know this discipline in that mid block and the and the opportunities it'll afford in in in, in attack you know in, in quick transition you know that's how he's going to measure the success of those tactics if they're getting the, you know if they're getting more goal scoring opportunities than the opponent they're you know you know if i can paraphrase you know they're going to get more goals and then that's what it's going to take to 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 be the, to get that edge so you know knowing that sort of the you know kind of the the end game and that philosophy i, I thought was pretty promising um, you know, so, you know, we were seeing it up close and personal with some of those finishing drills today, Alex, where that, you know, that seemed to be a big emphasis is, you know, the, the different angles of the ball, the, the different deliveries that were coming in, you know, the way, the way the attacking players were, were kind of moving off each other, I thought was, uh, was a kind of a nice, you know, a nice development to see in person. All right. I love that David Romero's already updated his photo to, for a picture with Lucci there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, fun the de degeneracy, I guess. <laughs> is, that, is that a word? I think uh, Brian might be making up a word there. Anyway, uh, hey, if Greg like can make up having, words, we can make up words, right? People are having fun in the fun in the uh, chat tonight. Um, so, look, I think we can all agree that we would like to see new signings come in. You know, there's been a rumor about a goalkeeper, not much more. Uh, but at the same time. You know, I think uh, that the team has been engaged. It's nothing that can be talked about publicly, but they have been engaged in some some uh, players. Uh, and uh, but but there's a lot of teams going after you know some of these players that you know are talked about in the national level. So if you take a look at someone like Aaron Long as an example, you know they had you know uh, in addition to LAFC, you've got Seattle were chasing after them, Atlanta United chasing after him. You know, and uh, I think I heard two or three other teams along the way. Let's just say that if the Quakes were involved with Aaron Long, like that's who you're, you're competing against seven other teams. And so if you don't get Aaron Long, you know, uh, and, and that happens on two, three, four other players that you're engaged with that a lot of other teams are in on, you can kind of see why, you know, maybe some of these signings there, there's stuff happening, but nothing is being signed yet. Um, so now we're hearing about potentially an international goalkeeper. Uh, I think there's different takes as to how legitimate that rumor is. So I'm not really going to try to address it here. But, you know, there is, uh, you know, there are some positions of need. Uh, we've already talked a bit about, you know, I think center back is still a position of need. That six is still a position of need. 
if Benji, you know, does go to, to AEK Athens for hopefully $2 million, still a, that's left wing quickly becomes a position of need. If Bobisi gets hurt and, and he's gone, now nine's a urgent position of need. And, and that would be why they, they brought in a striker you know, from USL that they think can, can back up. So there's a lot of like areas that, that there are some pretty drastic needs in this team. So the question would be, although we know that last offseason or last preseason, we should say that there were several signings that came in kind of closer toward the end of preseason, including uh, a designated player in Jamiro Montero, um, you know, what's your feeling at this point about, you know, what you saw today and, you know, does that make you feel more optimistic? Can can tactics improve this team that much if the talent level is about the same? Or do you think it's going to need an infusion of talent in order to achieve playoffs, as Lucci said, that this team should be making the playoffs this year? They need big signings. That's the bottom line. They've been catching up in the transfer market for the past three or four years. They've been, you know, desperately plugging holes. It's been too little, too late. Now is the time that they need to, to get ahead and uh, need to, to, to catch up with the, the rest of the league. If they wait till the summer, I'm going to be pretty severely disappointed because I don't think this roster, as it is right now, uh, has the depth to be able to compete and to be able to make the playoffs in a really crowded Western Conference. Uh, and I don't think that it has the solidity in the midfield uh, to be able to do that. The Quakes know what they need. Uh, they need to get these deals across the line or they're not going to set themselves up for success this season. That's the bottom line, Jamin. Yeah. And echoing that, you know, as we said earlier, you know, it's all about finding those edges and, and, you know, for the Quakes to, to be a playoff team, they've not only got to hit on every edge they hope to get, you know, there's, there's really no margin of error in that, in that kind of plan. If you kind of, if you go into the season with the, uh, the squad they have today, you know, that's not a knock on what they have. It's just the realities of a league that, you know, sees teams getting better every year. And, uh, you know, many teams spending on players, not always hitting, but giving it a chance. And, um, you know, those types of moves, need to be a, a part of the strategy and, and you can't just sort of hope the crew will will get everything done right because it's rarely it goes that way and so if san jose wants to to be a legitimate playoff contender as opposed to one that you know maybe sneaks in if everything goes well i'm with you alex it's got to be a, a few of these difference makers uh, to to uh, kind of turn tilt the table in their favor here's the name i, I like I like it. I like Chicho Rango. It sounds like LAFC might be making him available. You know, would you I get would, into the Chicho Arango business if even if it left holes in defensive midfield? If I had a suitcase full of Garber bucks, I would spend it on Arango for, for without a doubt. Um, I've, I watch a lot of LAFC games uh, in part because they're pretty damn entertaining to watch, and why wouldn't you? Um, and um, just the 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 way he 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 attacks the ball, the way he kind of fits in, and and again, he's got incredible teammates around him. But you know, he has a nose for goal that would would just you know really elevate you know what the Quakes are uh, you know currently working with. If you had an Espinosa working the ball and in, in, into that uh, type of forward arrangement, you know, good things are going to happen. So you know. Hey, if, if, if it can happen and, uh, you know, Chris Leach can uh, muster up enough uh, allocation money or whatever it would take, then, you know, you know, he's got my uh, he's got my buy in. He doesn't need it, but he's, he's got it. Look, Might set he, a new record in allocation money on that one. 
You you signed you, Chicho. Def- and you would need to send, you need to sell Benji to to and turn that into allocation money to do it. You you sign Chicho up top, you get a DP six. I think this team is a team that could challenge uh, for the playoffs, and mm-hmm. and there's reason for optimism. There's a question asked by uh, Max uh, Weinberg at the top of the show about uh, should uh, fans be more optimistic for this season than last. Uh, I think yes. Last season, it felt like watching a slow train wreck. It felt like everything was slowly unraveling uh, and you could uh, you know, see it all happening a month in advance. Uh, this year, it feels like they're putting the pieces back together. It feels like they have forward momentum. Uh, and then the way they can uh, really take advantage of that is with these new signings. A third DP, that's a tricky question. Uh, I, I think it uh, could be on that left wing is where you put the third DP. Robert, where would you put a third DP? Um, I would love to see that that sen- that spine strengthened as much as possible. I, I, I really do want to see, you know, if you're going to spend the big money, it's got to be for me, you know, at your, not, at your at your forward, at your, you know, your attacking mid, your defensive mid, you get those guys uh, right then um you know you can you can then begin to worry about the rest yeah for me it's uh put them at the six yeah. i think uh, the more you can prevent problems before they happen the better for the defensive side of the ball and the higher you win it up the pitch the uh the quicker you can kind of transition before defensives get set i'm a big believer in that myself okay so I, great I, question can I, there can I, can I amend my can i amend my answer i thought we <laughs> yeah, were talking well, about you can say whatever I, you want I, to i i put the questions <laughs> on the screen so you literally know what I, it is we're, sorry, we're trying sorry, to address here alex i thought it was a given that this team needs to sign a six i thought we were talking about you can only six, sign one D- you, you, you have you have two sorry, dps alex. you have two bad. dps you can only <laughs> sign one now to be fair because they sold, you know, uh, uh, Marcos Lopez, they have a U22 spot yeah. available, so they could fill yeah. that too. Um, but if you uh, and and uh, this is where Colin should jump in and tell me if I'm if I'm saying the wrong things. If you have three U22 players, I believe that means you're limited in what you can do with a third D- DP spot. Like it has to be a young DP or something like that. I'm trying to remember exactly what the rules are but I think it puts a lot of limits around that particular spot. So let's assume that they could actually sign that third DP and they're not going to fill it with a bunch of U22s. Instead, what's the one that you fill? It's, it's, it's the sixth spot. There's, there's the no doubt. Okay. Yeah, that's, I think that's a, a given. Okay. All right. Some agreement around that. But Robert, you would put it a little bit higher up the pitch. You liked an attacking um, midfielder? I, I would love to see that. I, I know Montero can kind of play in that role, but um, if if you get an opportunity to snag a, a, a successful or an up and coming number ten, then then I say go for it. But you know, same same thing. We can see this uh, in examples around the league. I think you know Seattle Sounders come to mind uh, when Joe Paulo went down. You know, and, and Obed Vargas right. followed it. You know, that team was a shell of itself. And yes, they had injuries all over the field, but uh, you know, when you have that strong defensive midfielder, that reliable defensive midfielder you know it just it it radiates threat to the, the the his teammates and 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 just makes for a better for for a better team and and so if you're investing money into any given position for me it's got to be one of these positions up the spine because they they have the most influence on the players around them Gilberto says is that chicho gamma mount sound right 2.5 million that's actually the number that went through my head gilberto yep. You're hanging around me a little bit too much. Maybe you should uh, scale back a little bit. 
Uh, yeah, Look, no, that that feels like about the right number he would go for. Yeah, back up the gam truck, make it happen. So that's a, that's a gam truck right here. Oh, great! We got uh, Angel joining us, watching from vacation from Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, Been there up. many, many times for work and never for pleasure, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, but uh, but a bit, but I know exactly a bit about that. And uh, uh, let's see, let's see. Yeah, uh, Gilberto also says I'm still highly curious about who Lucci is requesting this off season. So we know that Almeida kind of had that list of players he was always asking for. But I think, you know, we understand that there's there's a long kind of term relationship here between Lucci and Leach. And I always want to say Leachy because for me, like you can combine those two names together. So, you know, do you think like he's the type who would go like, hey, I would like to get, you know, these three, four or five players, Chris, please make it happen. Or do you think it's more like, hey, you know, let's, you know, look at uh, the budget. Let's look at these different positions and try to figure out, you know, where things go. Did you get any sort of impression today from Lucci about any sort of like, you know, how he approaches the the, the, the player situation and Chris, and Chris Leach? I'll give a short answer just based on conversations I've had with him that, um, Yes, you know, you know, having that outside perspective, you know, no, you know, being courted over the course of the year, you know, agreeing to sign last summer, you know, having the vantage point of uh, being on the national team stage and, and, and being able to see not just those players, but how players were evaluated and considered within the U.S. player pool. You know, there are guys that uh, Lucci would would like to coach. And um, as, as I understand it, you know, it's not a, a short list. You have to get me these two guys or else, but rather that he's put together the, the kind of list for, for Chris to evaluate as to whether it's realistic or not to get those players into San Jose. I can, can't, can't say much more than that. I don't have specific names that I can share, but I do know that uh, there has been some of those conversations. Yeah, Alex. I don't, I don't think he's he's going to be as controlling as as Matias Almeida. Matias Almeida was very insistent on signing exclusively players who he'd coached before. <laughs> it's not going to be like that under under Lucci Gonzalez. He said yeah. that you know he was uh, had a lot of ideas, uh, given that he's had you know a lot of time to watch this team and to to plan uh, for taking over. He signed. You know, he started talks with the Quakes. You know months ago and 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 has been watching this team uh, for a long time so he has ideas uh, but uh, the, something that he told us today in, in training was that uh, you know he's gonna take a step back and and let leach handle uh, the negotiations more and, and and put more trust in in Chris leach uh, to uh, you know run with his recommendations interesting okay uh, good feedback um so Dante makes a makes a point here that you know it's difficult to disagree with uh, we saw that San Jose felt like they moved very late in the summer signing window, that that the moves that they made to bring in players weren't really able to make an impact. Whereas in Sporting Kansas City, and I, we pointed them out before, they were able to make moves that got them, you know, they were, they were potentially going to get a wooden spoon at one point last year. And then they made some moves and those moves were able to impact them. And it felt like they were ready come summer window. It feels like the, you know, again, we're not seeing those signings now. And while we know that there were signings later, you know, last preseason, from a timing perspective, we understand there's still time to bring them in. And even Jamiro Montero was able to come in late and still be able to start game one and still have an impact early in the season. 
what's the point at which if you don't see those players coming in, you start to really kind of feel concerned about their ability to hit the ground running with the season? I think it depends where they're coming from. I mean, you, you, you've got to be realistic about, you know, you know, fitness level and, and, you know, how quickly a, a new player can adapt to, to the, the system that Lucci is putting to into place here, you know? So, you know, if it's someone that, you know, is not already playing in a, in a league somewhere else, you know, then it's going to be many weeks before they, you know, they can realistically be a contributor. So um, having, having said that, you know, uh, I know deals take time to, to happen. Uh, you know, I think one thing that would really help me feel much more encouraged by, by the prospects of this team. And I think this, because uh, was sort of reflected in the last couple of transfer windows, you know, don't wait to the last minute, you know, the, for, you know, the, the, the quakes transfers last summer barely made a dent in, 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 per, in the performances or at least in an memorable way. And, you know, and, and you only had a couple of months left in the season. You know, I can only, you know, Ricky Pruge with the LA galaxy is probably the only player that, you know, came late and, and had such a huge impact. No other team was able to get Gareth Bale. Like, what are you okay, talking sorry, about? Gareth Bale, yes, you know, <laughs> the one and only, the one and only Gareth Bale. Sorry. Hey, sorry. He won an MLS cup all by himself. Let's be, hey, that's, you know. that's, that's a great way to walk off the stage with the, uh, the MLS cup held high. Um, but you know, no, I, I mean that, you know, player, you know, you, you mentioned sporting Kansas city. We've seen that clubs around the league can are signing players. If, if you're waiting till the summer transfer window, they're signing these guys so that they can be in training camp from day one and they can take the field in the very first game available after the summer transfer windows window opens, you know, San Jose hasn't done that. And, and, and so you're, you know, you're basically, you know, kind of losing that second window anyway, you know, but, but you asked about the primary window, obviously sooner than later would be, would be fantastic. Um, you know, I go, I want to go back to the idea that they're playing MLS teams in preseason, you know, at least the guys that are here are going to get that ramp up, you know, pretty quickly as preseason games, as opposed to the first month of the regular season and right. so if you do bring a guy in late you know he might have a, a little bit of time to acclimate to the club and not uh, not be suddenly expected to be the leader from day one in a way like Jamiro Montero was and and uh, you know that Quakes got off to an 0-4 start and Montero was playing pretty well but he wasn't really familiar with the system yet and and it wasn't until he kind of got his rhythm that you know th those performances started to uh, have an effect on his teammates so Look yeah you know, make make it early if you can, but no, I I wait. I'm I, I got to see it to believe it. Yeah, and then when it does go well into the season, to be clear, it's not like it closes immediately at the start of the season. Alex, sorry. This strategy of of planning on the summer window is a losing strategy. The summer window should be for adding, you know, reinforcements. If you get injuries, uh, if you have holes to fill, uh, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, a fundamental part of of the roster planning for that season. The Quakes need to address all these issues. They need to be 100% confident they have everything they need to succeed this season uh, by the time the season starts in February. So they should be uh, they should be making signings within the next, you know, month, 6 weeks. That's the time frame that they're working on in order to set themselves up for success this season. I think the the strategy that they've had over the past few years of we're going to fill some of our needs and see what happens in the summer transfer window is not good enough. They've never been able to uh, bring players in uh, in time, and uh, they've never been able to uh, really catch them up to speed in order to have a significant impact. That's that's a losing strategy that they need to fix. So 
Would you agree with me that Gareth Lagerway is the best GM in this league? I don't Would like. I don't like these. These. You're getting. Uh, you're getting set up. I'm going to tell you. You're. you're I don't like you're the setup. Leading question. You're getting set up. Would you agree with me? That's all I'm asking. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you. Okay. I, well, I, I would argue. He says. I would also say. He says yeah. to all the Atlanta United press who are wondering where the signings are. He says, "I'm a summer transfer guy because you get better players in the summer transfer window. There's better players available." For next season, not for this season. For I, next no, no, season. I get it. He's thinking I, I ahead. That. He's thinking I ahead. I believe that. If you're building okay. a three-year project, summer transfer window is that time. If you're trying Those to get the playoffs this year, it's too late. In the summer. But if you're trying to make you. the playoffs, it's too late. Yeah. If you're, a, if you're a good team and you want to be a great team and you get a summer signing that's playing games okay. for you starting in July, that's going to make a difference. But if Just you're kind of, a, kind of putting it out there. Yeah, if you're a poor team that's hoping to make the playoffs, and yeah, I think Alex, you know, so you're right. Summer signings are, are you know kind of a, a drop in the bucket too late. All right, so I like this question from Gregory because I really enjoyed seeing Nico and Jamiro together last season. Given what you saw today, what's your impression? Is there a possibility that you think with the way that Lucci wants to play, we could see Nico and Jamiro on the field together in Lucci's system? Just from what you saw today, uh, I, I would say I saw a pretty confident Nico today. He, he handled himself well on on the field. Um, he's sporting a more mullet esque haircut, and it surely takes a lot of confidence to to sport such a such a style. So I, he's got the kid's got that going for him. Um, you know, he, he he looks a little bit beyond his years, and I, and I know that uh, you know uh, I was hoping to ask him, but we ran out of time. But um, you know, does he see himself as a starter? And I think he would honestly answer, he is going to fight to be a starter. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, you want to applaud. You want, you want the young players not to just be deferring to their, 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 their elders on the team, but pushing them as hard as they can. You know, that's how they become stars of the future is by being, you know, the, the starlets in, in, the, in the current time. So if, uh, if, if he's, uh, you know, can carry the same confidence with his feet that he does with his hair, then, uh, yeah, I'm looking pretty, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Look, well, I think that's, I just noticed, like, I'm way behind the chat here. I, my This one screen froze over here, and so the chat's actually been going on, and I'm missing it. So I'm going to try to catch up. You guys keep talking. I, the thing I like about Nico is I think he's the first guy off the bench, especially when then the team is losing, uh, because his attacking instinct, his instinct to pick up the ball and immediately drive forward down the heart of the field. If you're talking about verticality, he's a guy that brings uh, verticality. Uh, so he should be the first guy off the bench. And then the question is where he – where he fits in the midfield because Jameer Montero has got to be your guy starting in 10. If you sign a DP six, that's another midfield position taken up. He could be in competition with Jackson Ewell. And it just depends on what uh, Luchi Gonzalez is, is looking for, for that third position. Cause Jackson Ewell is not a guy that's guaranteed a starting position anymore. He's looked a little lost at times uh, in the last few years under Matias Almeida with new carton charge, it's no guarantee that he has a starting spot. So it could be an interesting position if you have two guys who've kind of grown up in the Quakes organization uh, competing with each other for, for one starting spot. I know we're over an hour now, but, you know, the fans are out there. We're going strong. We're, we're at our highest number of the night, guys. So I appreciate sure. this. Uh, let me just – I think there. this is – I want to set this up as a question. We already talked about Chicho Arango, but there's a couple other interesting names here. So, you know, Alejandro Pasuelo – 
I believe is available. Um, and Alex Callens, my goodness. I, you know, I like Aaron Long. I love Alex Callens. Mm -hmm. If you could throw the money at any one of these three, which one are you picking? Callens is a player that I, uh, per, uh, well, not perennially, but, uh, you know, he, he gets my vote for best 11 as a center back. Mm -hmm. He, he is a he is a prize free agent. You know there was mm -hmm. a lot of focus on that, you know, Aaron Long, but you know Callens would be the kind of guy who could be a, a true game changer in terms of providing a stability in, in the back line. Yeah, so, forget DP six, just go get Alex Callens, right? Well, I, I it would be again six would be my first choice, but if uh, if you can't get that and you can get Callens in at a at a good price, uh, you know you'd uh, you know you know what he can do in this league. And, uh, you know, it would probably be a, a very easy, uh, easy way to integrate him into, into a team. So, you know, I'm all he's for got, that. He's got my vote too. So, but Alex, I think you're going to go in a different direction. What say you? He's 30 years old. We have aging center backs already. I just don't think that uh, getting a 30 year old center. You have back aging is... center backs who are in the back of the pack in the fitness today. <laughs> you're Alex. just complaining about them, Alex. Come on. <laughs> I'm not convinced that 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 a center back is the is the 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 solution okay. at this point. So I think if you want to protect Alex? the back line, then you get a DP. Who are you going with, Alex? Give us an answer. The ball is in the back line. I think <laughs> be it's bold, Chico. Alex. We need an answer. He's twenty. Right he's twenty-seven okay. years old. He has the most runway left okay. in his and, career. He needed a stupid answer. That's all I need. Okay, moving on. Uh, yes, Gregory isn't isn't signing players early. Just common sense. Yes, but because it is the this particular transfer window there are much fewer uh players available and thereby as we kind of discussed everyone is going after the same players right now and that's kind of the problem that you run into in terms of trying to sign players early uh for in this particular window so i agree i think like you know the, the solution here is is get turn this team into a good team and then use a summer window in order to make moves for next year so you can take a good team and turn it into a great team. I think that is yep. actually the right strategy here, but we got to get to a good team first. And, and Jamie, um, I'm willing to yeah. grant you that, that Callens is the best player of that list. I just don't think he's the one at the Quake. Oh, I, I just asked you which one you would want. That's, I mean, you can, you can pick whatever you want to. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think uh, Dante's got a good suggestion here. Rafa Baca apparently becoming available. Uh, definitely a... A Quakes, uh, you know, reference there. Um, bring back Rafa Baca and let him retire in San Jose. Anyone hate that idea? Uh, yeah. Great, great player. Uh, he he made such an impact on that team a decade ago. Um, I'm not sure if he would be able to make the same impact here, here in 2023. It'd be another feel good story, but uh, sometimes the feel good stories are just that they feel good, but they don't always produce good. So uh, I'm just going to say, Mike, I am not avoiding the Jackson question for the reasons that people may think I'm avoiding the Jackson question, but I think like that's a question I would rather take on after a few preseason games, if you don't mind. Yes, I think there is an albatross in the room and his name is Jackson Yule. I am 100% uh, you know, on that particular question, but I just, I don't want to do it in the very first uh, you know, aftershock of the year. I'll just be honest. All right. Um, uh, yeah, people like the Callens argument. Some say top three, some say best. Uh, uh, and I'm just trying to look to see if we have any other like real questions out there. And Peachy saying what we really want. And if you had been in the slack for this off season, you would know what we are talking about. 
uh, Michael wants hot Korean players. So read into that <laughs> what you will. Okay. Uh, yeah, go get some J League players. Like, uh, there we go, right there. Um, okay. Uh, Mike says, I agree. Elephant, I know, Ophelia. Gotcha. Okay, we're on the same page at least. Guys, uh, again, uh, hour 10, highest numbers of the night. You got to love the fans. They really brought it tonight. Uh, they're in midseason form, and we are clearly in preseason form. So we really appreciate uh, the uh, the energy uh, in the chat tonight. But guys, give me your final thoughts, and we will uh, wrap this show up. Alex, start with you. Or right, well, Robert, you opened your mouth first, so you got to go. Yeah, I just want to you know shout out to the chat. You know, uh, you know, one of the uh, the things we can always hope the Quakes can do is is be a team that can finish games strong. And if uh, if they can take any inspiration from tonight's show and and the and the crowd we have here getting stronger with every minute, then you know, that'll be good. And that, that'll fit perfectly into the ethos of this team. You know, it's a team that's looking to earn respect by showing respect. It's a team that's looking to, to live and be the role models uh, with, with respect to coaches, to staff, to players, to, to support. And, and that, that's going to be uh, something that, you know, they need to, to get that little bit of an edge. Um, beyond, uh, beyond that, you know, every preseason always starts optimistically. Everyone's still tied for first place until the first ball is kicked and uh, there's no no uh, no difference in the in the uh, the way we saw the players out in training today and and, and the coaching staff and what they had to say uh, I think I'm still drying off the sweat from my Paul Marie high five that I got as he was coming off the field so you know guys were all smiles and and that's what you want you want uh, you want people to you know be be ready be hungry you know each and every one of the players we talked to has been impressed so far with what they've learned from the coaching staff and what they're being asked Asked of and, and asked to do, and that's uh, that optimism is is going to be uh, is going to be a big big part of uh, you know what the Quakes are going to try to ride into this preseason, and hopefully we'll learn a lot in these uh, these games against MLS competition as to you know what this Quakes team might uh, might show us in uh, in February March April those early months. So that's where I'm at, Jamin. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what we can uh, watch in these next few weeks. Alex. Got a lot of energy tonight, a lot of energy on the field. Are you tired yet? How are you feeling about what everything? Jamin, this is week is one, Jamin. Jamin, we, <laughs> we're four days into preseason. We already have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, and that's good. The fact that uh, the Quakes have a, a, a slate of games in this preseason. They're going to be going down to Santa Barbara. They're going to be going down to a Coachella Valley invitation. I'm planning on being at both uh, of, of those uh training camps so we'll have lots of updates uh, over the next few weeks it's it's not going to be a, a quiet closed door preseason anymore it's going to be busy uh, it starts now uh, it's going to be a fun off season i think we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, it's going to extend the season effectively uh, another month for us here at the aftershock and uh, everyone's energy in the chat uh, tonight regardless of the degeneracy uh it uh, gives me a lot of optimism and, and excitement uh, to be back here with with all of you, and I, I really look forward to this season. Yeah, very very exciting stuff. I uh, wish I could have been there. Um, and fans, one of the things that we do with the Patreon, you might go like, "Why do you guys have a Patreon?" You know, this show is for is free, and like, you know, you know, what is it you're trying to do? Well, one of the things that Joel Soria, who began this Patreon when he was editor in chief years ago wanted to do is he wanted to provide you better coverage. And the way that he felt he could do that was to be able to go to a particular location, 
go to a game, an away game, and be able to have a show like we have. But he used to just hold up his phone and talk to it and ask people, hey, if you want to hear about what's going on, you know, come listen. And I really love that personal thing that he did. And what we've tried to do is carry on the spirit of that here in Quake's Epicenter. We've got some ideas. We want to try to do more in preseason. Last year, Alex got out to preseason in Santa Barbara. Uh, this year, we got the Coachella Invitational. I think our intention is to try to get at least one, if not a couple of us out there for one or two of the games there at uh, the Coachella Invitational. If you're going to be out there uh, as well, that would be great. We might be able to, to uh, get some fans together. And people are talking in the chat about road trips they're going to take this season. And uh, I think Vancouver sounds like a destination for a few people. And uh, we were there. I, we were there last year and we're there because of our patrons. Our patrons make it possible for us to be able to make these trips. Plus, Alice has to go back to college. And if we want to send him anywhere, you know, we got to pay for that now, too. Like, there's all kinds of stuff that we got to pay for around here. So if you enjoy our coverage and you want to see us be able to do more of that kind of personal coverage, you know, from from uh, other cities this year, uh, you know, subscribe to our Patreon, uh, join our Slack, uh, have a lot of extra fun. That way, if the season turns out to be not as great, at least you'll have a lot of fun with with uh, your other fans. Look, look, the, the Patreon is is an incredible community. There's one tidbit. All of the, the fans in there like never fail to amaze me. There's one tidbit uh, that was incredible. Zach Holman went to the trouble of going through the entirety of the earthquakes in Oakland Roots schedule this season and figured out oh, yeah. what the best road trip is in mm. order to watch both of those teams play in one weekend you want to figure that out if you want to do a fun oakland roots san jose earthquakes road trip on the west coast you're going to have to subscribe to the patreon to see what uh, uh, zach put together for a road trip plan all right there you go there's your there's your plug something to look forward to other than gina zingers uh in in the slack comments <laughs> all right it's been a night i kind of like you know not having to worry about like talking about a game because you know it kind of forces the show into talking about a game Tonight, we could just talk about whatever we wanted to do. So we're looking forward to getting to do more of these as we progress toward the season. And fans, I have not forgotten for everyone who is a patron, regardless of your level, uh, I do want to do a, uh, a Zoom. Uh, it's something that uh, we try to do you know, as often as we can, uh, around two, three, four times a year. Uh, and uh, we owe you one. And uh, so I'm going to try to put together one of those fairly soon so we can have a, a much more intimate way to get to meet some of your other fans and also be able to like ask questions or talk about your thoughts with with others and not just us talking an opportunity for all of you to get to get to talk and talk with each other as well and get to meet some other fans that you can look forward to seeing at PayPal Park this season. So uh, something else to look forward to. So if you're interested in the Patreon, quicksepicenter.com slash Patreon or you can go to patreon.com slash quicksepicenter to go straight there. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, sign on for this season. Another thing we haven't said yet, and Alex, you can point to that little Chevron thing kind of right above you there. You got that like, subscribe, and notify. And we are at 700 subscribers. We get some additional benefits, including maybe a little bit more money. Uh, you get some additional benefits, uh, including different uh, chat emoticons and different benefits if we can get to 1,000 this season. So we're at just over 700, would love to make this the year that we're going to get over a thousand. So if you are not a subscriber, 
you know, we're not going to send you a bunch of emails or anything like that, but subscribe to this channel and it's something that'll benefit you. It'll benefit us. And if, uh, we would really appreciate that. If we hit a thousand subscribers, maybe there'll be another merch drop. Possibly Ooh. it's, it's a potential. Okay. I'm trying to push on, I'm trying to push on an A for a merch drop. Anyway, speaking of merch drop, by the way, I still think we have a few scars left over and I'm going to reach down here. This mine is sitting right here. And sometime I'm going to have like a place behind me where it's going to hang up. I, I keep promising that's going to happen, but I'm, I'm, I'm selecting a new desk and the new desk hopefully is going to have some stuff in the background. So hopefully it should be soon here, but there we go. If you're not aware, uh, we do offer scarves. You can get them through the website. I don't think the, the blur effect uh, likes it very much, but it's a two-sided scarf. You can wear it this season at PayPal park or wherever uh, you uh, just going around town. You can just wear it wherever you like. So I believe we still have some scarves available. If you're new around here and not aware that we do have some merchandise, you can go on to wakesupthecenter.com and uh, also be able to, to click through and, and get a link to the scarves. And I believe we've got some other goodies up there for you as well. And uh, going to push some pressure on an aid to add, add a few more things this year. Speaking of scarf walls, uh, Robert Jonas has like the best scarf wall in the world. Uh, and uh, whatever I would come up with behind me would be paltry compared to that, no matter what. So. I'll, I'll send you a copy. All right. I think we've, uh, I think we've worn out our welcome for the night. It's really good to have everyone back on again. We enjoy doing this and looking forward to another season of coverage. We will be talking uh, to you again here soon as we actually get started into the preseason. Maybe the first time we get a preseason game that uh, is streamed or anything like that, uh, you know, whether we're there or we're not, we will have to try to uh, to get another another show going or a big signing. Could be for a big signing. We sign Arango or Callens or even Pasuelo. I think I would probably do a show for that. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, Alex, Robert, anything else before we go? All right. Let's enjoy, let's enjoy the preseason. We got everyone caught up. Yeah. All right. Have a good uh, rest of your night, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be talking to you soon. Take care.